You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. pastors here at Forefront. It is wonderful to be worshiping with you all in the house uh, here at the Roulette, as well as the many of you who are joining us online as part of our virtual community. I love to travel. Traveling is actually part of my lifeblood. I love various destinations, and I have so many stories that I could actually write a book as it relates to all of the many experiences that I've had while globetrotting. One such experience was how we were received uh, in Barcelona during the 92 Summer Olympic Games. Everyone thought we were athletes. Funny enough. <laughs> so people would, you know, look at us and say, Atleticos, Atleticos, and we're all like, no, you know, we're spectators, we've come to watch. So that was an interesting reception. And then when we were in Istanbul, we had some really interesting experiences. One day, I was standing in front of the Blue Mosque, and my husband, Todd, was taking a picture of me. And then someone actually tried to touch my hair. I actually had sister locks at the time. I had no idea, unbeknownst to me, as he was trying to take this picture, someone was going for my hair. And he said, stop, stop. And I turned around and looked, and the person just sort of kind of like sheepishly walked away. That was weird. Another incident in Istanbul was another day. We were walking down the street, and someone started following us speaking in maybe Turkish or Arabic. I'm not really sure, but they had a lot to say. And they were following us and saying, you know, we're, we're kind of walking, you know, like, is this person going to harm us? Is something, <laughs> is something wrong? It was very strange. Finally, they stopped and we continued on our merry little way. And then there was a third incident in Istanbul. <laughs> There was another person who looked at us, and we locked eyes. But this was interesting. This person had on full burqa. I presumed they were a woman. They had, the only thing that I could see of them was their eyes, for the most part. And the person slowed their cadence, and they looked at me and deliberately bowed at me. I was shocked. I asked my husband if what I saw was what he saw and do you think what happened actually happened? This is, did this person actually sort of kind of like look at me, make eye contact and bow? He confirmed that it was actually true. A person that I did not know from a different country, culture, faith tradition made it a point to see 
me to emotionally, in some way, I believe, embrace me, to make me feel a sense of belonging in a strange land. There was something about this particular exchange that grounded me, that assured me that no matter how many uncomfortable situations I had in that country, I was going to be okay for the rest of the trip. It was a very sacred moment. There was no conversation, not one word. However, there was a recognition of our existence, our humanity. I saw the God in her, and she saw the God in me. This exchange was reflective of the meaning of the word in Hinduism, namaste. Literally, I bow to you. The divine in me honors the divine in you. And that's what we're focusing on today. We see God in each other. Two weeks ago, I preached on the Annunciation when the angel Gabriel, messenger of God, appeared to the Virgin Mary that she would bear the Christ child. And the additional great news that Mary received on that day would be that she was not the only one expecting. She found out that her relative, Elizabeth, some refer to her as her cousin, and a relative nonetheless, was also expecting. She was past childbearing years. She's referred to as being old and being barren, and she too was expecting. The angel assured Mary during the Annunciation that nothing would be impossible with God. In our text today, we continue that story after that life-changing announcement and pronouncement over Mary. When she goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth, there's something powerful that happens. There is another historic encounter between these two women. Let's look at Luke 1, verse 39 and 40. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. She greeted Elizabeth. Just to give you some context, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, was a priest. And in previous verses, he was actually doing his priestly duties in the temple. And he had an appearance where the angel Gabriel came to him and said, you and your wife have been extremely faithful and blameless, and you, in your old age, will bear a child. And Zechariah was like, now, how is this actually going to happen? Because we are past childbearing years. What do you mean? And the angel assured him that it would happen, but because Zechariah wasn't fully in belief of what would happen, he, unfortunately, was silenced. And from that point, throughout the entire pregnancy, throughout Elizabeth's pregnancy, he wasn't able 
to speak. So here we have Mary going to their home and greeting Elizabeth, the text tells us. Maybe Zechariah was there. Maybe he wasn't there. Maybe he was off in another room. Um, maybe it really wasn't common for women to salute men and men to salute women. Suffice it to say, Mary was extremely happy. And maybe her main focus was on celebrating the good news that her relative would be expecting a child. Let's pick up at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that must have been some greeting. There was something special about how Mary greeted Elizabeth and then how Elizabeth received it. It doesn't actually say, the text doesn't share what exactly was said, but we know it was powerful. Maybe it was the most common Jewish greeting, shalom, which is shared when you come to see someone and actually when you are departing, meaning peace. But there was something in her voice, in her voice, that elicited a significant response from the baby that she was carrying. When Zechariah received the message from the angel Gabriel, he was told that their child would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So that gift inside of Elizabeth was eliciting a response from Mary who was carrying baby Jesus. And we know that movement of an unborn child is not uncommon, right? I'm sure um, those who have had children can attest to this, right? The baby starts moving around. I know that with my siblings and family and friends, when that baby starts moving around, there's excitement there. You know, I've been asked, touch, you know, feel, feel, the, feel my stomach, you know, feel the baby moving around. It's a weird feeling, you know, but it's quite beautiful to know that that baby, even in utero, is kicking around and, and having a good time. So, so the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth experienced the power of the divine, the power of the Holy Spirit, causing her to let out a loud cry. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and trust me, when the power of the Holy Spirit was moving in a profound way, people would let out loud cries because they were touched deeply and moved deeply by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that caused a rejoicing, um, um, letting out a cry of hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And, and Elizabeth let out this cry, and she affirmed Mary by saying, picking up in verse 42, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The promise had been fulfilled and Elizabeth was firming, affirming this 
as it related to Mary. She was excited. She was rejoicing in this good news. She referred to the baby she was carrying as the mother of her Lord. This is a very, very powerful exchange. These are two women in very different stages of life who are miraculously pregnant, miraculously expecting very, very special children. Elizabeth, in her old age, seven, several months, pregnant with a boy who would one day be known as John the Baptist. And then Mary, a virgin who had not known her fiance, Joseph, but learned that she has conceived the Messiah, Jesus. I wonder what their conversation was like. Maybe they were a little nervous, you know. Maybe Elizabeth was feeling some type of way because her husband wasn't able to communicate maybe with her in the way that she was used to. Maybe they had to establish another way to be able to communicate during that time so she could feel supported by Zachariah. Maybe Mary was feeling a little nervous because she was expecting and she wasn't yet married to Joseph and maybe she feared compromising her relationship with him. Maybe she feared being stoned and being the negative talk of the town, right? God only knows what they talked about and what their exchange was like, but I believe they encouraged each other. I believe they celebrated each other's joy. I believe they were fully caught up in excitement, in their thoughts, and in their emotions. These two women experience a sisterhood, an interconnectedness which would bind them together and have their stories told from generation to generation. That they were both able to respect and honor the miraculous inner workings of the Holy Spirit in each other's lives. They share a bond and their unborn children are connected as Elizabeth's son, John the baptizer, would proclaim the coming of Jesus Christ. These women had a spirit of support and praise, not bitterness. You don't see any uh, evidence of envy, but they were respecting and honoring each other in their respective stages. I believe this is being able to see God in each other. Haitian American visual artist based in Princeton, New Jersey, Carmel Bojilin says this, despite their difference in age, the two cousins find comfort in each other in the midst of the unconventional timing of their expanding family. All along, as the two women whisper together of the growing promises hidden in their wounds and unconventional lives, Mary and Elizabeth themselves are cradled by the guiding arms of the God who moves them beyond cousins into sisterhood. And let's take a look at this artwork that she created. It's quite beautiful. And she describes it as this. It's reminiscent of the Haitian folk art figures. Mary and Elizabeth are portrayed wearing traditional Afro-Caribbean style headdresses as their silhouettes face one another in a stoic greeting. What if this art 
is a reflection of how we are able to see God in each other. In a stoic greeting, deliberate, intentional, really, truly, not rushing past, but seeing each other. How can we begin or continue to see God in each other when there's so much division, when there's so much strife, when there's so much inhumanity, and when there's a refusal to honor each other's lived experiences? Sadly, 2022 is known as the year of hate. And this is coming from uh, radio personality Brian Lair from WNYC, as you know, many of you know, one of my favorites. Um, and he put together an editorial board segment that highlighted various issues. And they were able to spotlight some startling statistics. Here are a few. The LAPD and Human Rights Commission reported 620 hate crimes, a record targeting black residents of LA. Black residents make up only 9% of the population in LA. This number spiked 34% compared to last year. In New York City, as many of you probably heard, on Staten Island, there was uh, a man who was shot with a BB gun along with his son outside of a kosher market. The NYPD has reported more than a doubling of anti-Semitic hate crimes compared to November of last year. 45 anti-Semitic hate crimes recorded in the city within a month. As it relates to mass shootings that are motivated by hate, many of you know that on Transgender Day of Remembrance, we woke up to learning that Club Q which is an LGBTQ bar in Colorado Springs, had a mass shooting. We learned that in May, there was a supermarket in largely um, a, a black community in Buffalo that uh, sadly killed so many people. And then Stop AAPI Hate reported in March, sorry, and that's Stop um, Asian American Pacific Islander Hate, which was reported in March, more than 11 thousand reported acts of hate since the pandemic in March of 2020. And the list goes on and on. I mean, for sure, you can say that this has been a year of hate. However, as we are in the season of Advent, and as we prepare for the hope of the coming Christ child, what if we create a different narrative intentionally as we end 2022 and start a new year, 2023? What if we decide that in spite of all of this hate, we are going to find joy because wise people still seek Jesus and God's love always wins over hate. Maybe seeing God in each other is starting with us focusing our attention on what is good and lovely. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9 reads, Summing it all up, friends, I say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true 
noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work into their most excellent harmonies. Maybe meditating on all that is beautiful, on all that is true, on all that is noble, is the harmony of the year of seeing God in each other. Like Mary and Elizabeth, there was something special about their situation and connection. I believe their encouragement helps us consider how we can encourage each other, how we can connect with each other here at Forefront and within our community, within Brooklyn, within this state, within this nation. It helps us see the power in a simple greeting. We have volunteers at Forefront who stand in front as people are coming in to church. And sometimes people coming, are coming in filled with happiness and joy. Maybe they had a wonderful weekend. And then other times, people may be coming in heavy. People may be coming in carrying a lot of baggage. And that greeting can make all the difference in the world. Saying hello, asking someone how they're doing, how their weekend is. Is there anything that they need from you? A simple greeting can go a long way. I believe that our greeting is healing, is encouraging, is empowering. When people see our face and hear our voice, they can be touched by the Holy Spirit in the same way that Elizabeth was touched by Mary. People need to know that they are valued and that they are loved. This is giving them a glimpse of God, a God who encourages, a God who validates, a God who affirms, and a God who offers us their shalom, their peace. I wonder if what really helped us get through this year were all of the various ways we were able to connect with each other. All of the ways that we were able to extend grace and see the beauty in each other. Ultimately, seeing God in each other. Seeing each other through the eyes of love and extending acts of compassion it helps us heal. It, it helps us work through our anxiety. It helps us move past broken relationships. It helps uh, us if we are attempting to harm ourselves. It helps us work through our grief. There is a poem that I like to share that you can find in your Advent devotionals. And it is written by Reverend Sarah Ari Speed, who's a writer an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church, USA. And it's entitled, Where I Saw God Last. The dimple in your right cheek, the child playing peekaboo from his stroller, the abuelita who spends her afternoons in the park by 86, the teenagers on the subway who cannot control their laughter, Neil, my neighbor, who always asks about you, 
the mother who whispers a dozen times a day, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. The saxophone player at 42nd Street, the poets, the artists, the garden volunteers, the metro driver who sticks his head out the window to make sure we're all aboard, the man who gave up his seat on the subway, the kid in the dinosaur pajamas who cannot be convinced they're not school attire, the teachers, the nurses, the taxi cab drivers, the woman at the end of the block with her yappy dogs and her books in the window, the lovers that lay sprawled out on park blankets, the runners, the daydreamers, the sidewalk chalk artists, John from upstairs whose favorite flowers are yellow tulips, the Persian man at the grocery store who tells me to be safe when I leave, my grandmother in Georgia, my neighbor, the stranger, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, after I read that poem, I began to think about where I saw God last. And I began to think about during this season of grief and mourning and sorrow as I continued to mourn the loss of my dear mother, Reverend Lucy G. Whitley Rodman, who passed away Three weeks ago today, I have been able to see God in so many ways in each of you here at Forefront, my family, who has shown up in such a powerful and marvelous way to help carry me, literally carry me through this time. I know it's your prayers. I know it's your hugs. I know it's your texts. I know it's your songs. I know it's all of the many things you have done to help me feel that I am not alone during this time. And I thank you. I am grateful for each and every one of you. Where I saw God last was on November 27th when my mom passed and the entire staff and tons of forefronters showed up at my door with food and love and laughs and strength and support. Where I saw God last was when kind, He's an event liaison. I don't know if many of you even know who they are. He knew that it was my time to preach one week after my mother passed away. And they looked at me and said, I am so glad you are with us. A staff person at the roulette. Yes, that is where I saw God. I saw God last when Pastor Mac allowed her emotional support dog to let me pet little Tilly during the time when I needed it most. And who would have even known that a support dog could have supported me in my time of need? That's where I saw God last. I saw God last when Daniel Jose last week, when I was feeling so heavy, showed up with a lavender macaroon. He went up to me, he came up to me, I was sitting in the corner, and he said, I remember you said you like lavender. Here's a macaroon. I saw God last when individuals, a, a student from my university, showed up at my office with a bouquet of flowers and then proceeded to tell me how he was struggling and how he didn't know how he was going to be able to pay for school and all of this. But he took the time to show up with a bouquet of flowers. That's where I saw God last. And I saw God last as I watched my mother make her final transition. 
I saw her with peace. And that was my prayer, that she would die in peace, not stressed out, not going through a lot of pain and, and whatnot. That's where I saw God as she made her final transition. I invite you to think about where you saw God last. And instead of thinking about this outgoing year as a year of hate, Think about it in a way where you can reflect on the many ways you are able to see God in each other. I talked about seeing God in a stranger on a random street in Istanbul. And when we see God in each other, it gives us the courage to praise God. It helps us rise above our various circumstances and look at the miracles all around us and all of the acts of goodness and kindness all around us. It helps us to know that no matter what is happening, God is good and God is for us. And the gift of Jesus is who we can receive with open arms on Christmas Day and every day from generation to generation. You know, during this season, I've had such a difficult time listening to Christmas music because it reminds me of my mother because she started a family tradition where we would have dinner on Christmas Eve. And while my husband and I picked it up, maybe over the last 10 years, she has still been a part of that experience. So I have a tough time. I had a tough time listening to Christmas music. Yesterday, we had a meeting with uh, the preaching boot campers, and Reverend Josh said, oh, have you heard Maverick's, you know, Christmas songs? And, you know, many of you know I sing with Maverick's gospel choir, and, you know, I was like, oh, I wasn't feeling it when he said it. And this morning, I felt led to listen to some Christmas music, to listen to Maverick's Christmas music. And there is a particular song that really ministered to me, and it was a song that I needed to hear. And the song is, Jesus is the best part. So no matter what I am going through, no matter what each and every one of you are experiencing during this season in your life, Please remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Please remember that Jesus is the best part. And we can continue to see God in each other today and every day. And the people of God said, amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we praise you and we thank you for the joy of this season. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that during this season, we would remember that Jesus is the best part. And I pray that we would open up our hearts, minds, and spirits to receive all that you have for us. We thank you and we praise you, dear God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.